Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, this one right here, uh, you could rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All of those are important things. They help people find us. Uh, but most importantly, just tell somebody that you know you like Lamestream Sports, and they should too. They should be listening right now along with you. Maybe hand them one of your earbuds. And make sure you tell yourself, as Steve told you last week, make sure you tell yourself about tell yourself. lamestream sports. You're uh, good enough. Chris, you're smart enough. God damn it. People love you. Chris Lee joining us on the show today as Vanderbilt begins its college football season on Saturday evening against Hawaii in what amounts to two thirds of a football stadium. Uh, of course, Chris has been covering Vanderbilt for a very, very long time. Two thirds of the smallest football stadium <laughs> in the SEC. Uh, Chris has been covering Vanderbilt Athletics better than basically anybody for over 20 years. VandySports.com is the he is the uh, publisher there in the Rivals.com network. He also has launched Southeastern 14, uh, especially on the YouTube right there. So go check that out. Uh, we're gonna hear we're gonna, we're gonna tell stories about James Franklin, Jerry Stackhouse, the athletic department, messaging strategy, media relations. What is going on with the stadium? Clark Lee, we've got a lot of really great stuff. So if you want a thorough state of the athletic department and athletics at Vanderbilt, Chris is your guy. Great conversation with him coming up today on the show. Uh, You wrote about Messi. You were in the press box. I was in the stands. Uh, We will discuss what you wrote about and how you just settled on what you wanted to write about. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. And uh, otherwise, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by. Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks. On West End at Jaspers. Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar with free parking. They'll babysit your kids. Not not like officially, but they'll babysit your kids. I've seen it happen. They go into the game room and my kids just I can watch them. I can eat my nice flatbread, which I love at Jaspers. Uh, the wife, the kids love the burgers. The, the kids menu is great. You got the game room, which is free. Also, just as free as the parking. Uh, truly spectacular. Centrally located, of course. Great for business meetings, happy hours, you name it, Jaspers has it. Okay, uh, all right. We'll talk a little bit about the messy match and sort of the reaction and the the coming down off the high of, of having the greatest soccer player in the history of the world play in a championship match. But really today is about Vanderbilt, the start of the football season, and a whole lot more. So here's our conversation with VandySports.com's Chris Lee. Chris, great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Doing well. It is almost football season. I know we all are disappointed that we can't recycle the same 10 topics over and over for a couple more weeks, but personally, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to, to cover some actual games, and we're, yeah. we're almost there. Yeah, it's you know how t- teams get tired of, of hitting the same team? Like, I'm tired of talking to the same people and just... You know, talking season against the same people. I'm ready for games as well. There's no question about it. Uh, speak. Okay, so let's get this out of the way. I want to tell sort of VandySports.com story, how it got started in 2003, what that relationship is like with national recruiting service like Rivals, and then the, the evolution of your content, all the different coaches you've covered. So a lot of stuff to get to on, on the show. But I want to start with uh, how on earth, in your opinion, does do people on the Internet think that Vanderbilt is going to play in a high school stadium? I believe that started with a Richard G. West tweet. He is the the troll account. I, I don't remember what he puts on his bio. It's I mean it's it's frankly it's brilliant. He is he has fooled so many people over so many times. I got I got several texts from people in our field 
uh, saying they're not really playing at a high school stadium, are they? Thinking, <laughs> well, you, you may not. You know, and, and to be fair, most of those were out of state. I, I think people in the state of Tennessee recognize that account as a parody account. But there was just enough believability in Vanderbilt's history, I think, to where people could plausibly see it. But no, Vanderbilt will be playing inside its own stadium, which is going to be about 28,500 this year instead of the normal 41-ish that it's had in the past. So uh, let, let's – because this is one of those times where it, the pictures – that people see, you know, the fence line on the back of the end zone does look a little dangerously close to the playing field. Like it, it obviously is a unique situation, but the actual story of what is taking place should be viewed completely opposite from what the conversation is on the internet. The conversation yeah. on the internet is taking shots and making fun of this and making fun of that. And, and, Oh, look at this glorified high school, you know, and like the truth of the matter is actually the opposite, right? I'm going to start this with kind of a bookend story, uh, and this tells you how far things have come at Vanderbilt just in a few years. When I was covering Bryce Drew, I don't remember if this is last year or next to last year at Vanderbilt. They wanted to go to Alabama uh, to play basketball. Well, they didn't. Want, they had a game scheduled at Alabama, and it was the dead of winter. They were afraid, and you know how it is in the South. You get a little bit of ice or a little bit of snow, and it just <laughs> locks everything up. Even the rumor of ice and snow is enough to just – make people lose their minds. And so they were going down on a bus to Tuscaloosa and Bryce says to the administration, Hey, look, I'm afraid we're going to get snowed or iced in on our way down. I want to get our players in time there for the game, all those things. So we're not panicking and this and that, and all the, all the ways that that could go wrong. Let's charter a plane. The school comes back to him and says, no, that's $10,000. We can't afford to do that. Go ride the bus. Well, what happened? They get, they get stuck for a brief period of time. They made it on time and everything. I don't think there was like a near miss, but you know, they, they couldn't get money for stuff like that at a school where they're literally building a dorm that cost about a billion dollars at a time or at, at the time. Um, flash forward to now. I know that the, the estimate they put out there on facilities that they were going to spend was $300 million. I, I started hearing a few weeks. Yes, keep keep going because you started to hear it's really going to be five to six hundred million dollars. Then it was seven hundred. Then they're adding stuff, and I'm I'm hearing they may end up spending ab about a billion dollars on athletic facilities. Which I remember. Here's another thing. I remember putting out a tweet about three years ago saying Malcolm Turner had done an estimate. And they thought to get their facilities up to standard, it was going to be about a billion dollars. Well. Everybody was like, even their fans were like, oh, that's that's ridiculous. No wonder he got fired. Spending a billion dollars is ridiculous. Well, guess what? Um, whatever you think of Malcolm Turner, it turns out that he was about right on that. And I, I don't well, I have an idea why they are not more public about it. I think Vanderbilt is one of those places that if you say we're spending a dollar on athletics, people over there go, well, that's a dollar we can't spend on academics and it's misplaced priorities and all those things. And I get that. I have some sympathy for them, uh, but they could do themselves a little bit of a favor by maybe getting out in front of that a little bit more and saying, Hey, we're, we're spending this kind of money. I, I get the reasons they don't, but I think it is a massive story. That's I'm not going to say right out in front of everybody, but I, I think people are missing the point mm -hmm. 
and, and somehow Vanderbilt has allowed the discussion to be they're, they're playing at a, at a local high school, um, you know, and it, which is just isn't true. Why I, is why is the messaging on it, though, so captured against Vanderbilt? I, I it, it is it is amazing to me that that to your point that this kind of high school tweet has had the life that it has had and that they haven't just absolutely squashed it. I, I think it's because it's believable, um, you know, <laughs> in, in their history, like if you had said. Does that not sound like something if we'd gone back three years ago, it could have happened? Of course, it could have happened. Yeah. But they never get out in front of things. And this was a story that I got just killed for, but it was it was true in 2020 when they fired their media relations people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a great staff, Braden. You know a lot of those guys personally. And Steve, you you probably do too. They, they were good people. And they used to sit in meetings and and, and I, I talked to some of them. They'd say, hey, we don't want to do it this way. We want to do it that way because if you do it the way you're going to do it, this is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Vanderbilt is, is slow to learn those things. I, I think that if they had, and they have some good people there now, but there's been some revolving doors in some of those positions. They've never been good about messaging. They've never been good about getting out in front of anything. And look, I, I blame, I blame some of this on the media for being lazy and lazy might not be the word. Vanderbilt hasn't exactly put it where yep. people can find it at times, but there's been a little bit of blame on the other side too. I mean, Look, people have screamed at them, invest money, and they're finally doing it. And and I do I have an issue with the way the timing of it has been handled in some ways? Yeah, we could talk about it if you want or not talk about it if you want. But the, the people are missing the bigger story. And that if you had said Vanderbilt is going to spend probably a billion dollars on athletics facilities, none of us would have believed that yeah. in a million years. But yet they are, and somehow that is getting lost in the – in the uh, shuffle of other things. So, so two two quick comments. One, one of the persons, one of the just to, to, for for people to understand how I, I would say dumb it, a decision it was to fire all those folks at the time. One of those people invented Vandy Boys, the phrase Vandy Boys, that is now emblazoned on the side of the stadium because that's how good of a marketing idea it was. Just want to le- put that out there. Uh, number two, all great conspiracy theories fall like the 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 best ones of all are the ones that appeal to like our natural instincts and preconceived notions as humans. And the natural instincts and preconceived notions as sports fans in Middle Tennessee is that Vanderbilt doesn't care about sports. They don't want to invest in sports. And oh, by, and like, and, and they're not great at protecting and messaging their product. And so it that tweet plays into all of that stuff. And then all of a sudden it just that's that's how those conspiracy theories across all subject matter. That, that's how they get legs is when they kind of appeal to something yeah. we think already kind of is a thing. And it is on Vanderbilt and their people to. And yes, you're right. Media can do a better job of this. But the Vanderbilt people need to be telling the story that that it's the exact opposite of all that garbage you're seeing on the Internet. We, we are doing the thing you've been asking us to do. It We. Not like celebrate us, pat us on the back, but look at the real story. Yeah, and and I go back to when they released it. I think it was October of 2021 when they released the initial released the initial plans. I think it was 300 million at the time, and they released it on, on a Friday afternoon news dump, like like they were out sneaking a cigarette. I mean, it just. <laughs> 
And, and I, I got that's an expensive. Some, that's an expensive cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. And I got some blowback last week when people were going, "Well, why does the media not do more homework? Why do people not do this?" And I'm like, "Yes, there's some truth to that, but let's also go back and retrace the steps and say, let's look at how they've done it. Let's look at the media relations thing again. Those people could have helped them." it's like even when they are making progress, they still have a little bit of a tendency to get in their way. And again, I, I think that the story people should be talking about is, is the other one, but that, that is exactly how this happens. While we're, while we're here on facilities and I, and I know we want to shift this here for one second, but how much of a chicken or egg perception is there about attendance and uh, and and kind of investment in these facilities because because the thing you hear is you know M- memorial has a ton of history memorial memorial needs needs some love and, and attendance has been down the 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 stadium has not been a great place to see football for a long time needs needs some love it's finally get it's finally getting it's finally getting the modernization in terms of revenue that it needs how and, much and, and ironically I, hawkins needs to be expanded <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean which they're the, doing the, by the way right, right yeah and how much how much of this is is the perception of of well this is a terrible place to watch a football game versus you know the investment that's needed and 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 where and kind of like what levers can Vandy pull in order to kind of get out of this sort of rut of, of you know these aren't great places to enjoy a college football game or or basketball or whatever else. Well, those things are factors, and obviously, a bad stadium, bad stadium experience are just another reason that people can look at it and say they don't care. And again, if you want to look forward a little bit, they're about to give a lot of people reasons to say they do care. But let's also look at the last decade of things. Uh, last winning season Vanderbilt had was the 2013 season under James Franklin, who then left for Penn State. They've been to a couple of bowls, but they didn't win them, so they finished six and seven. They just came off a 26-game SEC losing streak, which I don't know where that ranked all time in losing streaks in football, but it was top ten, if not top five. Uh, and and by the way, that the fans that come out to watch games have, have seen losing streaks worse than that. A lot of them at, at Vanderbilt. So you, you've got history. They haven't been any any good in football with any consistency since the '40s or '50s. So that's that's a factor. Um, you add in basketball, which used to be their their bell cow sport. I, I'd, I'd say it's probably baseball now, but but it's still close. They set an all time losing streak for. They went when the only team in the history of the SEC that's gone winless in conference play. That's not too far in the rearview mirror. So you've got a lot of losing there that, that fans just say, hey, I'm I'm done with it. You know, throwing the facilities, throwing all those other things. So I I think it starts with winning. Um, but but messaging's part of it too. They they need to get it out there. They need to let people know what the investment is going to be. I, I think they need to promote their season ticket packages a little bit more than they've done to get more of their fans in the stands and and build back a fan base. And the other thing, guys, Brayton, and you Brayton, you know this. You go to games and it is an old fan base. Um, I, I'm not I'm not kidding. I've seen people wheeling in oxygen tanks at the time. Um, you know, it, it's not all that way, but it's been something I've been saying for a decade now. You go to games. And you see a lot of older people there. Um, you've got to build a younger fan base. And the younger crowd has just not seen them winning anything in a while. So it just is really, a, it, it's just a lot of bad factors colliding at once. And, and we'll get to James Franklin, but one of the most 
sort of illustrative points about James Franklin's career is that they were the best football team they've been in 100 years almost. And he was great at messaging and was begging people to fill up a 41,000 seat stadium. Like he had to beg people to come and they still couldn't sell out games. And they were a nine win team with some guys that were going to play in the NFL. So we'll get to James Franklin in, in, in just a second. But uh, to, this is going to sort of dovetail a little bit with the start of Rivals and what Rivals does and, and what VandySports.com does. And because it's such a, a smaller fan base with a bunch of tight knit people, and this is not unique to Vanderbilt, but all the people that make those decisions about where to spend money, some of the folks who write those checks at every school, Texas A&M, Tennessee, they're all deep in the weeds because they care a whole lot about their team. So I want you to first explain to me uh, what what are Vanderbilt message boards like uh, over the last 20 years? I, I want to know because we know there's some some big time fans in there. Uh, mine or other ones? Um, Your, yours. <laughs> my, mine tends to be the more realistic people, the, the people that a lot of times didn't want to hear the bad news coming down the pike. Uh, <laughs> left me long ago, but for the most part. Um, and some of the ones that are there now, the ones that used to argue with me, I'd say, hey, I, I don't like the way this is going. And, you know, you got chicken little stuff and, and you look up and there's there's losing streaks. So I think that... The, the one I've got is is sort of the most realistic community. And even you had to tell those people, hey, look, they're doing some stuff right there. I, I had a former football player. I talked to him on the phone. This has been a few months ago. He said, I, I literally thought that the stadium thing, he said they made the announcement and everything. I just didn't expect anything to happen because that's the way it always goes. Um, he said, so when it when they literally broke ground on it, I was shocked. He just said, I thought that was another thing they would throw out there and they wouldn't do. So you have, I, I think it's in a little bit of state of disbelief right now where people are going, they're still trying to process the fact that this thing went from zero to 160 in, in, in five seconds. Um, and I think there's a little bit of that right now. But but the, but it's so different from, because it, it's, it's fascinating that message boards predate social media, smartphones, and it's sort of the beginning of the internet in the early 90s was a place where like like-minded people would get together and just like have these weird conversations and go in depth. Reddit's kind of like that now. You've got Discord, but really a college football message board from, again, Vandy Sports started in 2003. From 2003 to, two, let's say 2010, or maybe even through the James Franklin era where smartphones and social media were just starting to to grow, like they were the first place where people could come from all over the country and talk about you know, Jay Cutler. Yeah. And, and here's, what's funny. Um, and, and Brayden, you would, you would know this as well as anybody when, when a lot of rivals sites started, the idea was where this, this content factory with these message boards. Now I think people look at us more as these message boards where people can talk with attached content. Um, and ours, our biggest one is behind a paywall. So people kind of like the fact that they can talk about Vandy stuff without getting blown up by Vol Twitter, you know, or something like that. If you have the discussion <laughs> somewhere else, which right, it, right. it is, it is, you know, for, for whatever criticisms people have of our board, that's one thing that's there. It's, it's, it's probably the biggest place you can go to talk Vanderbilt and not have it sidetracked by somebody else. I mean, if, if, if a fan from another school wants to come in and, and do it fine, but, they're going to have to pay money to do it. So I, I think <laughs> one thing is that the discussion 
where we have it is is much different than the ones you get publicly just for that yeah. dynamic. All right, which coach read the most? Which co- know, it's got to be James Franklin. <laughs> yes. Which, which coach was reading those message boards more over your t- in your tenure? Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't Bobby Johnson. <laughs> no, it was. It wasn't. It was definitely not Bobby. Um, it, it, that'd be James. I mean, for sure. I mean, you you know the story of of him getting upset with me after a road game they won over something that was very factual, but but didn't it didn't even paint him in a bad light. I, I'll just I'll just be I'll I'll be blunt about it so I don't have to beat around the bush. He got mad at me because they went and won a road game at Missouri. And Missouri had a quarterback named James Franklin, coincidentally, who was very good. And they moved down the field like a hot knife through butter the first two drives. Well, Franklin sprains his ankle. They bring in Corbin Burkstresser. Vandy wins the game with, with some kind of a weird score. I want to say it was 19-13. to 13. Burkstresser could not throw the ball at all. In fact, the one touchdown they got was was a ball he threw so poorly nobody in coverage knew how to anticipate how to play the ball and it went for an 85 yard touchdown it just <laughs> it, it looked like something you would you would That's see funny. on a video game and and I I led with hey look give them credit they don't go on the road in the SEC and win a lot of games and especially not games and gets good teams and but all he could see was hey you you wrote about their quarterback getting hurt is part of the story. And, and he lost his mind over that threatened our access, threatened a lot of stuff. Um, and it, it, it was crazy dealing with him was, was really something, um, you know, the, the, it, it was nice to cover a winning program for a change. That that's the only window I've, I've been able to do that and kind of see how everybody else lived. But, um, just the maniacal stuff that you had to deal with him, we got, got old in a hurry. And it, and it was, and I told him, I said, that's not how journalism works, but I just don't think he really cared. Yeah. On, I, on the I, flip. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say my, my Jane Franklin, you've heard this one too. Uh, uh, Chris is that I'm on one Oh four five at the time. I'm doing a one hour college football show and 45 minutes into the show after talking about Tennessee for the first 45 minutes, our producer gets in our ear and he says, uh, James Franklin's on the phone. We were like, what? And he goes, yeah, James Franklin's on the phone. And we come out of break and we're like, well, we were going to talk about X, Y, or Z, but uh, the Vanderbilt head football coach, James Franklin's called in. So coach, welcome to the show. Or I said, James, welcome to the show. And and he immediately wanted to change and control the conversation to, yeah. well, but Van- Vanderbilt's got some coaching changes too. And we've got some people that have moved on to bigger and better jobs. And we need to have a conversation about that, which by the way, is incredibly smart guerrilla marketing yeah. on his part. It also shows the rabbit ears and the sensitivity that he had as well. Yeah, and and they they have not had a guy that promoted the program like him since he right. left. Um, I mean, you could he he did the job of of five people in that regard. In addition to everything else, he did. I don't know when the guy slept. I'm not sure that he did. I mean, he he just is wired very differently. I have a lot of respect for the stuff that he did. And did well. I don't want people to to take something else away from the interview. I mean, look, James did an incredible job, a job that nobody thought that that he could do. I mean, if you had told me when Bobby Johnson, well, I guess Robbie Caldwell got fired at the end of that season, if you said they're about to go 
six and seven the next year, go to a bowl and, and darn near beat a top five team, I would have laughed you out of the room. <laughs> um, so his his accomplishments were incredible. Yeah. But the thing with James, James is one of these people that 99% of the time, if he either liked something you did or didn't have a problem with it, but there was that 1% of the time where you did something that might be innocuous, like writing a fact in a story that he didn't like. He was the kind of guy that that took that 1%, held it against you, and he was in either you're for me or with me guy. Um, and, you know, once once you got labeled that with him, you yep. really never got out of it. Do, do you think that we'll ever see another era of of a Vanderbilt coach that has longevity and success because, because it seems like you're, it seems like we're in a cycle of, and, and, and this is, I mean, Tim Corbin is, is the, is the corollary here. Do you, I mean, can you have a Corbin like presence in other sports at Vanderbilt where, where you're, where you're having year on year success with someone who is to your point, really great at promoting the program and 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 great at growing awareness of it um but at but at the same time is not looking for Penn State is not looking for the next job well they've got a guy right now who's <laughs> in that ladder boat um he's not looking for the next job um he's been very clear that I'd like to coach here for for 20 more years and I've, I've had offers I'm not looking to go other places uh, and, and look, we always say you can never win at Vanderbilt or, or fill in the blank with whatever. And and for the most part, that's true. But again, we were coming off 10 years ago, a, a guy that won nine games back-to-back seasons and finished in the top 25. I mean, Northwestern had a run of success for a long time after being in worse shape than Vanderbilt was. Uh, that, that's a little further back in the rearview mirror. So I, I think that Things sort of started to line up, and and just as they're getting their ducks in a row with facilities and and things that everybody knew, then the whole game changes with the portal in NIL, and that's the part that I think where people have questions about. Uh, they've got a plan for that. Is it is it good enough? I don't know. But um, oh, and then by the way, you had Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. and there's Braden. You know, you and I know eventually there's going to be more than eight conference games. So. I mean, I think in terms of doing what they can do to improve themselves, they just put themselves in a great position and then everything around them changed. And, you know, then you've got the whole looming thing of where does this go and where's their place at the table in in 5, 10, 15 years. And that's that's a whole another discussion. I I think to answer Steve's question quickly is like and I think Clark Lee is doing this because he has to do he's doing it a different way than everyone else in the SEC. The SEC has to do it in a certain way, which you mentioned the portal, scouting other teams, like quick fixes here and there. Like, and I've talked to folks inside the program. That is not their strategy. Like, that is not what they're going to do because it's not going to work for them for a number of reasons. And so they are doing the different thing. If they have the guy who does it that way, he's going to Penn State. <laughs> like, that's that's what they have to do it the way that they're doing it. And I think we had this conversation all the time, you and I, and, and a lot of folks about what are reasonable expectations for Vanderbilt football. And Derek Mason got to some bowl games. Uh, Bobby Johnson, you know, had a couple of competitive teams. James Franklin overachieved. W- where is the right watermark? Let's say Clark Lee is here 20 years. W- what is the average record per year that would keep him here for 20, 21 years? The fans would be satisfied and he's personally satisfied, but he's not too good so that he's not leaving. 
but they're also not two and ten every year. What's what's the what's the right way to look at the program? I think if you said from from this day forward, starting with the Hawaii game, he's here for twenty years. They go they somehow managed to go five hundred overall, which I think is it's going to be really tough with, with what the conference schedule is going to look like. I mean, I, I don't know how you could really complain that what would happen. You see this happen all the time, right? Teams win a few games that they have an eight and four season. Then the bar starts getting raised. Well, this is what we can do. Um, right. Well, may, maybe it is, or maybe it was a one-off. And, and so sometimes success is your enemy, but I, I don't know. I, I would think just as a, a figure off the top of my head, I, I, you know, because you know, there's not going to be 20 winning seasons in a row, especially with that conference season. To me, that's a, maybe get in position to go to a, a minor bowl every couple of years. No, I think they would reject that. They would say they want better than that, but realistic to me, if he could go 500 over his next 20 years, he's done an incredible job. On the well, other 500 coach- over his next 20 years would, would put him, <laughs> would put him high in the pantheon of, of, of of Vanderbilt uh, coaches as a, as a win percentage for for sure yeah and, and look I I think something underneath that to me would would certainly be acceptable but you know it's it's hard to it, it's hard to sell that if you say all right your coach is gonna you know go go four hundred over the next twenty years you're going hey wait a minute let's let's move on from another guy but the, the realities of the situation are Vanderbilt of course very different. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, and it is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. What if Jaspers launched a YouTube page? What would would we want to see? Like all the chefs in action? Would we want to see the tastings? Like what is it that we would want to see on a YouTube? I think there's a. I think I think if you have a good restaurant in this city, you need a YouTube page. What do you think? I don't know what you're talking about. I just would want. I would talking about. I would watch the the creation of the food. We we do it on there's there's entire networks on television dedicated to that stuff, and now they don't even on those stupid shows on television that my children now love at six and five years old. They do they don't even make stuff that looks like food anymore. Like they're <laughs> it's not even. It's like uh, well, this looks like a camera. <laughs> We're making something today. That looks like a basketball. Like we don't, they don't even make stuff that looks like food anymore. I would watch professional chefs at Jasper's concoct these beautiful flatbreads, these collie poppers. I would watch it. I would watch it. Man, you need you need a hobby. You I, need a you need a hobby in the worst way. My hobby, worst way. my hobby is YouTube. <laughs> uh, also, same hobby as millions of other Americans. <laughs> Unfortunately, you are correct. Yeah. Um, would I watch it? I don't know. I might watch a little bit of it. Um, I don't. I, I you you love the show. I, I, what is it? Bear, right? You you're like a huge fan of Bear. That is that is entirely that is entirely different because that is a that is a manufactured drama as opposed to as opposed to like turning it you know turning a camera on somebody on a on a line cook, you know. No, let's get them to start dating each other. Let's get them to have fights afterward. Like, <laughs> let's let's inject some drama into the back of the house for Jaspers, and then put it on YouTube. <laughs> wow, this is you don't think Jaspers this, loves this, this idea? You don't think Jaspers no. likes this idea? They do not. Okay, all right. They do. They are not. They are not going to do this thing. 
So we're in this conversation with in this conversation with Chris. We've talked about how people are insatiable, and and of course his YouTube page is 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 part of that. But I I do think that food and and um like home renovations, I don't think we are ever going to not have that as part of our like larger content environment. I, I think home renovations no, and food I, I, will never I, I, I we will I, never be tired of those two subjects in for the history of mankind. However, we end there's up thousands a, of years from now. There's there's an entire there's there's an entire genre of uh of, of YouTube videos of people building uh building tiny homes off the grid in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I have to say it's actually really compelling stuff. And so I'm sitting here giving you shit about 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 people making food, but I mean I've watched I've watched more than a little bit of 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 this of this kind of content of you know somebody like trying to beat the uh trying to beat the winter snows in saskatchewan as they build a 300 square foot uh uh hunting place that 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 you know lets them lets them survive and and there's things and eat there's some that are like the worst you know like it's not about the best chef it's about the worst chef or something and you just see people just just utterly flailing about the kitchen on television. It's great. It's great. That would never happen at Jasper's, of course. I'm just saying, if we all end up like Wally, if you've seen Wally the Disney movie, which is one of my favorite Disney movies ever, if you've seen the movie Wally and we all end up on a spaceship riding around on our own personal hover rounds because we're so fat and lazy, we will still be watching food and home improvement content. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never go, go away. It'll never go away. Go to Jasper's. It's, it's very easy to say this as a non-fan and someone who also has covered SEC football for 20 years, but there's a, there's a kindness to, to Derek Mason, Bobby Johnson, Robbie Caldwell, Clark Lee. Like there's like a genuine humanness <laughs> to those guys yeah. that you don't get at any other program. And certainly, uh, you know, I, that's not what fans care about. They, the, you know, Vanderbilt fans who want to win, want to win, and they don't care what it looks like or how it looks like. But I will give the the, co- the Vanderbilt in general credit for the types of people they have generally hired in, in over the last 25 years since since you guys have been covering the team. It does feel like there is a level of humanity and kindness to the people that they have hired to be their head coaches. Doesn't mean it leads to wins. But like I, I do think that it's hard to give a school credit for that. But I, you know, as someone who's been around them and covers the other guys who are not. Yeah. Uh, in the conference, I, I do think that is a uh, something that Vanderbilt should, fans should at least be sort of proud of, I guess. Yeah, and you sort of take that for granted until you you cover a James Franklin um, because it was decidedly not that way. But then I look, they, they've got that in baseball too. It may not be, always be out front as much. He can be kind of a grump and a lot of things. But Tim Corbin is is done a lot of phenomenal things for people behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And, and, and I see a lot of that in him. And I think that's, I think that's helped him make it over the long term. There is that, that side of him that's compassionate and does things for people that, that people don't know about. I think that's helped him a whole lot behind the scenes with the university. Do they have that currently running their basketball program? Depends on the day. Um, I, some days I'm, I'm around Jerry Stackhouse. Like he had a press conference, I don't know, two or three weeks ago where it was just me and, and Robbie Weinstein basically. And, and 
we got 30 minutes with him, and I think he would have gone longer if we hadn't run out of questions. He gave us five players. He was very relaxed. He came around, and, and he shook people's hands. Um, he seems to have learned a lot from his mistakes his first couple of years when he literally came in and just thought, I, I just can go out and sign anybody last minute. My coaching's good enough to win. After about two years, he figured out that's not going to work. Um, I still do have some questions about his recruiting, but, but the things that he was doing at the time that the minute he did them, you said, that's not going to work. He stopped doing most of those things. And I think he's got it on more of a solid footing. And I think as that's happened, he's been more relaxed. Um, Jerry's one of those guys that if you catch him on the wrong day, he looks like a jerk. If you fish around behind the scenes, sometimes you find out he, he will do some nice things for people. He gets along with with a lot of people um, in a lot of ways, and so it's it's really, I think to me it's it's like a lot of us. Like if 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 we come in, we've had a bad day at work, you know, one of your kids or your wife says the wrong thing to you at the wrong time, you walk in the door, you might get one reaction. If you've had a different day and something's not said, maybe it goes a little differently. I, I do see him maturing and growing up a little bit, and maybe figuring out, hey. Here's some things that'll work at Vanderbilt. Here's some things that don't. And it was just kind of interesting to see him this summer because in that setting, he was a lot more relaxed than I'd seen him. And I thought, you know, if if you're like this all the time, it's going to be harder for people to to pick flaws in the way that you do things. Well, and it seems like he's clearly connected with the players. Like his players play hard for him and they get better as the season goes along. So yeah, hard to hard to hard to fake that on the court. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it does and sometimes it does. And in the era of the transfer portal, um, you know, they had some kids leads. I think he could leave. He got crossways with with Jordan Wright last year. You kind of see that on the floor at times. I don't know if that was his fault or Jordan's fault or or both their faults or what. So it's not it's not perfect, but yeah, he, I mean, I, and I think that's the thing that that if you want to say Jerry Sackhouse ends up being a good college coach. I think you point to those things. They get better a little bit every year. Now, he's got to figure out how to make that happen in November and December because they lose too many games then to where by the time postseason rolls around, they've already, you know, sealed their fate. If he figures that part out, there might be a level that we haven't seen. That that press conference that you mentioned is, is I think, really endemic of Vanderbilt and, and – and kind of coverage of the program in the sense that, you know, there's, there's just a few places that are writing about Vanderbilt on a regular basis that are providing kind of in-depth broad coverage. I mean, the, the Tennessee has a dedicated Vanderbilt beat writer, but they're also, they're also pulled out season uh, seasonally into, into other things. Uh, you know, Aria has, it has it covers baby baseball, like, with as much depth as as anybody that you've ever seen, and I think that I think you know she has a real passion for baseball, and 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 it gets and clicks. That's where you see, her. Yeah. yeah. Well, and 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 Vandy baseball gets gets more clicks. I'm I'm interested in sort of the. I mean, we were talking about chicken or egg kind of kind of questions about facilities. The same thing is, is sort of true about media in in the sense of how much should Vanderbilt be covered how, how much how much do they do how much do they deserve because they are an sec program but and, and they're they're a big national university the flip side of that is you know they don't necessarily drive traffic uh and so 
at some point there's a spiral of they're not getting enough coverage. So you're, you're never going to expand sort of the universe of, of people that are, that are coming in and reading and caring about Vanderbilt uh, enough. And there's kind of a spiral to it. Is, is the, when you're, when you're sitting there, when you're sitting there and you've got Stackhouse alone, you feel any pressure about, uh, about like, you know, this is, this is great stuff. And I may be, one of the only outlets that's ever going to get this stuff because Vanderbilt is not getting enough attention. Yeah. Well, to answer your first question, if you want to make it a financial thing, I don't know that they'd ever get covered. Now, look, if you get to Tennessee and and you were the hometown newspaper in an SEC city, um, if you don't cover them, the phone calls where you're going to get yelled at are going to be many. And at some point you, you probably don't want to deal with that financially. I do wonder how how much does it pay for itself? Is it just kind of a loss leader? Uh, that's that's my suspicion from having done my thing for for twenty years, where I'm completely paid on on subs and podcast sponsors. I don't get a salary from anybody, so I see what the numbers look like. I see what the audience looks like, and and it's not encouraging. I mean, I'll be honest, I started an SEC channel if it was just a financial thing. And I think there's some pride in all of us that you just want to do a good job in what you're doing. And when I'm when I'm in the press box covering Vanderbilt, I want to do a good job. I think I'm doing a service to people. Uh, life is more about other things to me than just earning money and and getting clicks and getting fame. And so I want to I want to serve that guy who's reading our stuff or listening to our stuff, even if there's not that many of them. But man, it was a reality check because I'm sure we'll get into the SEC YouTube channel I started in a bit. And guys, I if it was just a financial thing last year, I, I probably would have made my writing about Vanderbilt and, and podcasting very limited because I would come home and there would be other games on TV. And, and you know, I remember when Tennessee beat Alabama and we did a live stream, the audience for that was huge. And there's a gazillion people out there covering Tennessee, but the, the, the multiple of, of people that watch that compared to the people that would read whatever story I just written on Vanderbilt was, was dozens to one. And when those things drive your ability to put food on the table, the implications there are pretty clear. Um, I went to a game last year with Southeastern Louisiana and I had a college kid who was covering basketball for me and he was on break. And so I had to go cover. They played Southeastern Louisiana. The press conference was Jerry Stackhouse and me. I've covered a lot of stuff, but I've never covered a football or basketball game where I was the only guy there. And to me, that was kind of a wow moment where you're just like, mm. you know, in a time where media is struggling to make money more than ever, uh, that that should have been a little bit of a red flag to me if, if I were Vanderbilt. I was going to say it also. That's what it really speaks to is they, they can't be getting into scuffles and not allowing people to come into the press box and they can't be messaging their their investment in sports and athletics poorly. Like they they just have to do all of that stuff. And it frankly, it's what Belmont does extremely well. Is, yeah. know, is know their place and then push their brand at the right times. So let, let's get into that that video channel. Southeastern 14, of course, is the website and the YouTube page. And you and I have had a lot of conversations about this off the air. But what have you learned um, in, in, in pivoting into sort of covering the SEC? You guys don't do just football. You cover basketball and baseball as well. 
What have you learned about the video space covering a regional product? Well, uh, for a little background, we started Southeastern 14. The idea was everybody and their brother is covering SEC football. And so you kind of build that in as an expectation that is going to be a very hard market to to crack. I, I don't think that on a league level, on, on a team level, SEC baseball and basketball gets covered pretty well. I would not have said that about baseball three or four years ago. I, I think right now, even the schools that didn't really care about baseball a few years ago that much, uh, Tennessee, notably, Auburn and Alabama to some extent, you can get pretty good coverage of those teams without a lot of looking around in terms of one landing spot for someone to say, Hey, this is what happened at all 14 schools yesterday in, in, in a nutshell, I did not see a space that was serving that. And so we started Southeastern 14 as a website, mostly to cover basketball and, and, and baseball. Well, Google can be a funny thing. And sometimes it's, it's, you can, right till your fingers bleed and, and sometimes just because of the the peculiarities of search engines and whatever it's it's hard to get noticed and so we were doing all this work and we were making progress but like there needs to be another zero at the end of our numbers that's not there and so we made the decision a couple of years ago to pivot to youtube um to do some more stuff there i hired a couple guys to cover football for still at this point thinking we're going to get lost in the crowd with football um, and we were putting our stuff out late. Timing has a lot to do with views and stuff, as you know. And so last summer, um, we made the decision, all right, we're going to jump in with both feet with football and, and see what happens. And we went from 1600 subs to about 10,300 as we're doing this in about 13 months time, which, which blew me away. I mean, we're getting a quarter million views a month right now on our channel. I just think it would happen. I, I, I thought we'll cover football and we'll cover it well, but there's just, there's a lot of people that cover well. You guys cover it well. Um, Michael Bratton covers it well. So many people cover it well, and I'm, I'm competing with other guys that do it well. And I'm just thinking we're going to be shouting into a canyon. That's not what happened. And, and I think one of the lessons in there is, is never underestimate the audience for SEC football, which we did for a year, and we will not make that mistake again. Yes. Uh, human beings, content consumption, insatiable on all subjects. <laughs> right. When, when, when you, when you, when you parked the, the uh, trademark and URL and everything for Southeastern 14, did you immediately also park Southeastern 16 and do you have Southeastern gonna... 18 and 20 <laughs> was, in there ask. as well? <laughs> Fortunately, yes to all that. I, I was, I was short-sighted enough to build it around a number. Now I haven't said that, it's not like we didn't have other ideas, but the internet's been around for a minute now and you go searching things. I think we looked up, Hey, the Southeastern, that'd be great. Well, I, I think that name belonged to, a, I, I want to say a newspaper of a community college in Oklahoma that had been around for over a hundred years. Um, not in so the Southeast, it, ironically. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right. Well, I mean, is, is it now Oklahoma's in the yeah, SEC? It's true, uh, I guess. So <laughs> but the, the point is, we we had a lot of other ideas, but everywhere we looked, we, we got boxed in by somebody. Else. And, and then you get to the point where you're like, you know, you're having to think of creative names like, OK, let's do Southeastern Conference football 
super.net or something <laughs> like that's just stupid. Um, and like, well, we don't want to go there. And so that's kind of how we ended up. I, I remember, I think it was land of 10 covered the big 10 football. And I thought that that's pretty good that that's branding. Like you kind of know what that is without even going there. And that was kind of the idea. I thought, well, if we do Southeastern 14, people are going to look at that and immediately that's what that is. So it was a great idea in in that sense until <laughs> until media days of 2021 and when it wasn't but fortunately we did have our bases covered uh with, with purchasing other domain names gonna have i to mean at some, least you're gonna have to get some new merch the... <laughs> right well we've the, the other side of that is we've we've just put off merch <laughs> until next year because at this point what's what's the point he's gonna buy a t-shirt yep. that's got a year's shelf life I mean, it, it, it could be worse. You could have Pacific 12 uh, as uh, as your uh, website. <laughs> the, the, the big pack, as I now call it. Or or uh, an entire television network. <laughs> yes, you could be the television network for the pack 12 network. right now. Oh, man. All right. So how about this? Uh, we'll end you with this. Chris, thank you so much uh, for your time, of course. Uh, over oh, Three and a half win total. I'm hammering the over. What do you think for Vanderbilt football in 2023? You know, I, I don't bet, but if I did, that's that's an easy call. I, they could get, they could hit the over by the end of September, Braden. It wouldn't mm-hmm. take much. Um, they could hit the over in their first four games. I think that Wake Forest game for them is huge. You know, people are going to say, well, they're not going to be favored against Missouri or Florida, or Kentucky. Well, guess what? They they beat two of those three last year, uh, and, and they came that close to beating Missouri. So. I'm not saying they're going to seven or no because they're they're not. But I mean, there's, I don't know. To, to me, that's one of the easier ones on the board. If I were if I were looking for something. Well, thank you so much, man. You still got the Vandy Sports Podcast with uh, you got Billy Derrick now on there as well. So good move by you guys there. So check out the website, check out the podcast, of course, and Southeastern 14, the YouTube page, the website. Check out all that great stuff. Uh, where can people find you, Chris? Tell everybody where they can find you. I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I'm learning to be a bigger one. Uh, at Chris Lee 70 on Twitter, of course, the, the Vandy Sports content at VandySports.com. You can also find the podcast, which is on your fine network. And uh, Southeastern 14, best place for our content right now. Go to YouTube, search Southeastern 14, and, and you should find us with no problem. Thank you so much, Chris. Football season's here. Enjoy. Thank God. Thank you. That was Chris Lee, VandySports.com. You guys know the drill, Southeastern 14 as well. Do appreciate his time. And, I, you know, we, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time here reacting to the Vanderbilt conversation, Steve, but I do think you and I have had this conversation off air a lot. Vanderbilt simply does not do a good enough job putting itself out there at the right times in the right ways in our market. Everything else is true. It doesn't have a huge fan base. It doesn't drive ratings. The media doesn't needs to do a better job. All those things are true. But if you are not going to be out there self-promoting what you are doing well, it's it's you, that's the first step. And and having act, allowing access to the press box to anyone who wants to cover your product, encouraging that, promoting good work and creativity with people inside your own department, and then promoting what you are doing well and the personalities in your athletic department, that is step number one and job number one for Vanderbilt Athletics. They got to do a better job. The most complaints I have had from fellow uh from fellow journalists about about press box access in the last 10 years 
have been with have been with Vanderbilt and been with Vanderbilt football. I mean, it is it is amazing to me that someone shows up on your doorstep and says, "I would like to write about your school for in a professional way for readers who would like to consume this content." And they're like, "We don't know if you fit our standards. We don't know if you qualify to get in here." unbelievable it's it is it is it is one of the most mystifying things here maybe i mean it, it's a new year 2023 is a, is a new year maybe uh we'll see maybe they maybe this is the year they got their shit together i don't know we'll see we, we shall see uh but i i do because again i think the stadium narrative has been taken away from them i i think the internet is now making fun of it and it's actually the opposite it should be they should control that story and say look how much we are investing in our fans in our athletes in our coaching staff in our athletic department, in our future. And they need to take control of that. And they have lost it. And it's one of the best things they've done in 20 years. It's one of the most important and best things they've done for their school and their fans. And the narrative out there is is been taken away by one guy with a Twitter account. It's just, you got to do a better I, the, job. The, the, the pervasiveness of, the, and if you haven't seen it, it's I think it's that they're playing at Pearl Cone this year. <laughs> or Let's I mean, Come or... <laughs> Or, or wherever. I mean, yeah. it is amazing to me that this thing is is as persistent as it is. And to sort of like Chris's point here too, it's not immediately dismissed as being ridiculous. Well, as I said, the greatest conspiracy theories are the ones that already play into your preconceived notions as a human being. That that is the, yeah. those are the ones that sort of stick. And we are, by the way, as humans, extremely susceptible to conspiracy theories <laughs> it is our it is like our <laughs> natural state uh unfortunately so anyway thank you to chris for coming on and giving us a ton of insight there uh we all have a if you've worked in the market and we're in the market from 2011 to 2013 and you covered james franklin you have a james franklin story and i've got a couple more that i can't really say on the air so <laughs> there's everybody's got a james franklin story welcome no... welcome to the patreon yeah, yeah <laughs> yes we'll be charging soon <laughs> um, okay quickly we were both at the messy match on saturday we talked a little bit about sort of what it means to the market and my journey to the ticket is fiasco which by the way those ticket prices on day of game they were still expensive but they you could get in for a pair for less than 700 bucks so glad i did not buy any extras and Shout out to V Love who sent me a tweet immediately after listening to last week's show and said, "Look, you're a dumbass if you don't go to this match." <laughs> and and I never, you know, Haley and I never were really not going to go. And we had oh, whatever, just just an absolutely spectacular moment to watch him score like that right in front of us. I I will say this: I have never seen a stadium shoot off fireworks for a road player in any sport in the history of my 41 years on this planet. So that okay, was weird. That that was weird. That was a leagues cup thing. That was not a that was not a national SC thing. There, there were several things because it because it's technically the final of a like for instance the the media room was was technically not controlled by Nashville SC. It was controlled by leagues cup, which is they had like two hundred and fifty requests to get in the press box on Saturday night, and it was kind of a it was kind of a scrum <laughs> yeah. actually to like get there and get positioned and. There were certain there were certain aspects of it too that like like for instance in the pregame, a lot of Nashville's traditional sort of pregame stuff like the riff and whatever else did not happen because it was it, this was all this was all I, uh, I, MLS I, I know I know all control. of that I I don't think it changes the fact that you shot off fireworks for a road team's goal it's still I mean, that's the thing is it, I mean 
but but yeah. but, I mean, but in, was... in light of in light of the crowd which was eventually mostly nashville sc at the end of the game once it was tied i like think it was hat. i think it was like 80 20 here's what they were doing they were wearing nashville sc hats and nashville sc scarves and messy kits so people well, were nashville well, sc fans supporting Messi, not miami but supporting Messi. so we all cheered and went crazy when Messi scored including i even me and my wife were like holy shit that was insane and and kind of was like in awe of the moment but as soon as they tied it back up again that's when we, when it turned into a championship final at a home game. That that is when when it was one one, Nashville SC was starting to boo Messi, which I thought was great. I, I you, yeah, like you don't get booed unless you're elite, you know. So it 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 turned into a real genuine match. I thought the drama lived up to the expectation. If you are Apple slash MLS slash League Cup people in charge of all this stuff, you could not have asked for a better turnout. The brand new big stadium. In a in a market that's really successful and popping, and the greatest player of all time in eleven penalty kicks when goalies have to decide it, couldn't ask for a better experience for the fans and for the for the league. Yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty fantastic. It, it, I you saw a lot of this on the concourses before the game. Uh, parents in SC gear and kids in messy gear, and it was it was really funny. Like you would see the kids in in like the pink Miami jerseys. Uh, overwhelmingly, what I saw, I, I was trying to do this as kind of like a survey for the piece I wrote for the scene, like of of who, of like what Messi fans were there, and it was overwhelmingly, I think, I, I mean, I'd probably put it like sixty, sixty five percent of the people who were there in Messi gear were in Argentina gear. I mean, which makes sense. He just won a World Cup in 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 those shirts, uh, and then I'd say probably another thirty percent were were Miami Messi gear, and then. I saw, you know, there's a little bit of Barcelona, not very much. Uh, and then there was, I found, and I talked to him, there's the one random guy there in a PS, you know, PSG I, jersey who I, was who was like, I'm so happy about Messi. And I'm like, you are literally the only person here in a PSG jersey. He hates yeah. that club. He, you know. Yeah, but it's a cool looking and, uh, kit, though. It's nice blue color. It's a good looking kit, you know. He and, he and his son paid a thousand bucks to get in. Oh, wow. Uh, to be in the supporter section, which... I don't know if I would wear that. I don't know if I would have worn that jersey into the supporter section in a in a cup final. Those ratios are interesting because I saw a lot more pink Messi than I saw Argentinian Messi. I will say this: it the, pops the, out. Yeah, yeah, the three the three season ticket holders next to us, who have been next to us every year of the of the stadium, and we've gotten to know each other. They have a they have like a ten or twelve year old son, and the two of them are diehard. You know, the the husband and wife are diehard SC fans, and he was wearing the blue and white stripes. He he had the blue and white oh, yeah. stripes on with Messi, and he's a huge SC. I mean, he roots for SC, but even he was like, you know, I'm wearing my Messi kit tonight. Like it was, it was, it was We're, just a very cool blend of people rooting for a player and their team, kind of at the same time. I did see the most unusual jersey I saw the entire time, though, a Ronaldo Saudi Arabia jersey. Like wow. on his, you in the wrong fucking place <laughs> if you're wearing a ronaldo saudi arabia jersey well what's his whatever his team is i don't know what the club team is in in, in saudi something arabia. Yeah. yeah but he it was one of it was that jersey it was a jersey of him on his new club wow. team uh where you know the, the, the place that messi thumbed his nose to uh, uh, so. on, on one level uh, on one level if that person's a nashville sc fan don't you sort of respect the level of hate <laughs> to wear to, to wear messi. messi's biggest rival into yes uh, into a cup final 
Yes, I, I, mean, I do. Re- I do respect that. It's sort of like the St. Louis fans cussing in the family section. Like there is a certain level of respect that that happens there. But also, if Ronaldo is your guy, you're probably a douchebag. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think that ends the oh conversation <laughs> right there. What? It, how did you formulate what you wanted to write about? Is it historical perspective? Is it just the moment in time? Like, how did you go about uh, putting together that piece I, I, for the scene? Right. I actually went into that with like a completely different story in mind. And then kind of the events of the day sort of like kind of, kind of overtook it. I found Dax really compelling. He had talked at at the last, uh, at the, at the press conference after the semifinal, he had talked about kind of knowing where his, knowing that this was coming to an end and, and there, he and Messi are roughly the same age. They're within two months of each other. And Dax was waiting around afterwards I mean, a, a lot of guys got out of there quick. They did not want to hang around after after a loss. Typically, what they do in post games is they make a couple of players and the coach available, in, like in a press conference situation. In big events like this, they have what's called a mixed zone where a person is like standing on the other side of of some fencing, and then all sorts of people can kind of come up to them and ask them questions. And so they had this mixed zone set up that was going on at the same time as coaches press conferences. And so it was really hard to kind of do both. And so Walker Zimmerman comes out, Dax comes out and, and they're talking in the mixed zone. Same time, Gary Smith's talking in the post game. It was, it was super chaotic to try to get to get to it. Meanwhile, John Ingram has kind of popped down and like some people, you know, some reporters have, have gone over here. I mean, Adam Sitchko from the business journal pulls Ingram over the side. And it's just like, Aha, you know, I have what I'm going to write about. David Beckham's walking around. <laughs> David Beckham's walking around, although he was walking around like on the other side of, of, of some of the fencing because he he just gets, you see, he even now he still gets mobbed. But they didn't, like the Miami players were on the field for like a half hour after all this was over. So we actually never got access to the Miami players. Nobody, nobody got to talk to Messi or Busquets or. That's wild. And Dax had gone to Messi on the field and said to make a jersey swap. They couldn't do the swap because they had to do the medal ceremony. And by that time, the SC players had walked off. So Dax waited around. Dax waited for like a half hour before he could swap with Messi when they when they like actually came off the field. And we were talking to him there in the tunnel while he was waiting. And, and I thought he was he had some uh, I put, put part of that in there. You know, he had some great quotes about kind of like the perspective on on trying to do that. Uh, shout out to Ben Wright, who <laughs> we ended up trading quotes because we were getting different players at different times. And he got part of the of, of the DAC stuff that he, that he gave to me. And I gave him some Walker Zimmerman stuff. And it, it's a it was a really weird, chaotic thing. The other thing I, I don't I struggle with kind of like how critical to be here of this. You know, Elliot Panico was not made available to us. And, and I don't want to. I mean, he had his kick saved and that ended the game. And I and I get that that's crushing. He also didn't play a particularly great match with with his feet the entire game. Uh, oh, I, I just I, I would just no, he, he like whiffed, I, I think he he whiffed had... on like three clearances. But I, I think he also made the most critical save in the most critical moment of the entire match. So he made he made he came up big when they needed him. Yep. And I think it would have been really interesting to talk to him. Yeah. And I don't get the and i'm trying to be delicate here because i'm sure somebody's going to yell at me for this um (laughs) i don't get not pushing professional players yeah to talk after an event like this 
I'm human. I, I understand sort of like the sensitivity of nobody is there to nobody's there to blame Elian Panico you're, for the loss. You're not you're a reporter. And, and, you're not gonna go up there and make him feel shitty about it. Like that's not the no, goal. The, I, the goal is to tell the story about what he's feeling. Yeah, I mean, I I think Panico was like one of the most interesting things about the yes. night because yes. here's this guy who has who has gotten to play for a couple of different reasons. He, you know, they brought him in 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 earlier games. If you missed this, you know, they brought him in as like the closer just to do penalty kicks. Uh, they subbed out Joe Willis, and then Willis's father-in-law ends up passing away in the middle of the tournament, and he takes over like the full-time job. And does a great job and gets him to a final. And and I think that there's some really compelling stuff about that to talk about. In, in a, and I think the math, I'm doing the math quickly. In two hundred the final 270 minutes of play, roughly speaking, he gave up one goal to Lionel Messi. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> that's when the you story. See this, when you see this goal, and, and this is, and I put a bunch of this in the story because it's just that good. Messi, Messi, oh, and there's a, there's a single phone view of Messi here on the goal that you should you should try to find and I'll, maybe I'll go I'll, I'll go put this in my Twitter feed here tomorrow afternoon. You can't the, see him. Messi is just is just kind of standing around walking around and then lets the play come to him and then all of a sudden he's on the ball. All of a sudden Walker Zimmerman has really kind of had him stopped. Mm-hmm. And he jukes around it and then you're behind the goal and I don't know where I don't know where you were in relation to it. R- roughly but, behind the but, roughly but we're behind the goal, yeah. Yeah, the the window that he put that through was about two feet. It's nuts between a, an onrushing Shaq Moore and Dax McCarty, and Panico is actually. I mean, Panico when you when you see the behind the the uh, goal camera, he's actually screened for most of it. Like he he can't, you can't see you, Messi. You cannot see the player. He is the ball comes out of thin air in between three Nashville SC defenders. You cannot see the player kicking the ball. Yeah. It's nuts, and, and so McNaughton and so McNaughton is coming over too in a way that that screens Panico. Panico almost gets to the ball. I mean, he he dives for it, and he's about a foot away from it. Um, you know, if he had been able to see Messi, I think he would have moved more in that direction. You know, he just unleashes this kind of like, cannon of a left foot shot, which is what he's been doing his entire career. An in swinger into the near post. Who does that? And <laughs> it is it is a legitimately great goal. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, we wrote about, I, I wrote about that and then, and then sort of kind of, you know, juxtaposed against, against Dax, who is, who is here. And this, you know, this may be it for him. He's on, a, he's on a year to year contract. Yeah. He's, yeah. he came off at like 72 minutes and there's this really interesting, there's this really interesting kind of camera uh, angle that just shows Dax just like completely gassed, <laughs> just sitting, just sitting on the bench. Like he's just, it's all gone. He left it all on the field and yeah. it just, it well, was, it was an, an amazing match and 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 I thought it was an, an interesting moment for Nashville and sort of the Nashville has this reputation for always putting on a show uh, uh for you know they they do big events really well that was certainly yeah. true but I also think right. that as a soccer moment it was it, it was it was a really it was a really big moment for Nashville if you're building Apple subscriptions and uh, hype for a World Cup in 2026, it's exactly what you needed uh, with a new tournament. Um, and that's not just a national thing. That's a, a countrywide thing. A couple of two, two quick things and we'll go go to Jasper's. Of course, I think people have tried to put this moment into a box and a lot of different types of boxes. Greatest athlete, greatest performance, greatest night, greatest, you know, whatever. I think the way I've looked at it and thought about it through all those debates and discussions is 
what are the things that I have seen and experienced as a Nashville sports fan that I will tell my children about? That's the simplest way I can describe it. And game six against Anaheim Ducks clinching a spot with Colton Sisson's hat trick to go into the Stanley Cup final and being at some of those Stanley Cup final games. I think people that were at the Music City Miracle are going to tell their kids about it. And that messy match. I think those might be the 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 two or three. And then maybe there's a few other ones that would that I would do this with. But it's one of the few things I will tell my children about the night we saw Messi win a championship on at Geodas Park. I mean, that's just that's just the, the the way to describe it. So people try to define it in a million different ways, but I think that is sort of the way I've landed on on uh, on describing it. So other than that, it was spectacular. I think the only other question fans have is to your point about Dax being gassed. Does this tournament run propel this team with their new $6 million striker into a great tournament push for an MLS Cup, or are they completely out of energy? I think that is the major question about Nashville SE moving forward. But this is a media podcast, Steve, not a sports podcast. So there you go. We won't answer that here. We'll let Tim and Wes do that on Club and Country. Make sure you check out their reaction. There's the segue. They got tons of phenomenal coverage last week, this week, uh, covering the event. So go check it out. (laughs) Special thanks to Chris, also on the 440 Sports Network. Check out the VandySports.com podcast as well. Uh, NashvilleBanner.com. Sign up for good journalism and make sure you get your inbox filled with good content every single morning from Nashville Banner as well. We do appreciate all you guys for listening. For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. We'll talk to you guys next week. This has been Lane Stream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.